Turn in your Bibles to Second uh, Peter. We are at Second Peter chapter three. <clears throat> I've been going through Second Peter over the past few weeks, and also went through Jude, and they complement each other very well. And uh, <clears throat> it's a whole lot to do with apostasy and bad things coming in. Um, we have seen bad and evil things creep into a lot of different areas of our lives. And, you know, Betty brought up some things. You know, to, to come right out and say and make it public that you do not want to say the pledge because it says one nation under God. That was the reason for it. Um, to, you know, be a church and to proclaim in front of the church that the American flag is offensive and demand that it be taken out. Our schools, the public school system, has been teaching kids wrong things for a lot, for a long, long time. Uh, it's supposed to be about education and reading and writing, math, science, those types of things, and they have been corrupting our kids <clears throat> And uh, here lately, in many places in the United States, they have been making this country out to be a very bad place and that our founding fathers were bad people and we shouldn't listen to anything they have to say. And the whole reason is our country was founded on biblical principles. And it is interwoven into everything. If you go to courthouses across America, you will see the Ten Commandments hanging up in the courthouses. Our laws were set up based on God's laws, God's moral laws. And this country has been a good and great country because of that. Because we look to God as our ruler we look to Him as who we need to follow. We need to be more like Him. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school about just reading the Word, just simply reading the Word. When I was a kid, uh, we had an old King James Bible that came from this church. Uh, Jan Apgar had, had wrote it out on the little... Uh, page that you're presenting it to someone, and she gave it to my dad when he was a teenager. And my dad grew up in this community when he was a kid. And he had that old, just simple King James Bible, and when I was a kid, he gave it to me, and I kept it beside my bed, and I would read it. Many times I would read it at night before I'd go to bed, and I would read through the Proverbs, and even though... I wasn't saved at the time. We didn't even hardly go to church at all. And, but I read. And there were things that happened. You know, when you're a teenage boy, there's all kinds of temptations that will happen in, your, in, your, in those years. And I can remember being tempted by my so-called buddies to go do things that were bad. I mean, I can just name all kinds of stuff. And I, can, I, I made a lot. I didn't make all good decisions. I did not, but there was a lot of decisions that I made based on what I read out of Proverbs. 
a lot of good decisions. And I look back, and I think of where I could have went, the roads I could have gone down, but I didn't because I feared God. I had, a, I had a healthy fear of God as a young teenager because of what I read out of the Word. And there are things that I didn't quite get it right. Um, I, there, was a, there was one thing that said, uh, I think Paul was talking about it in Corinthians, and he said, uh, talking about having a wife or not, and this, that, and the other, because he didn't have a wife, because he didn't want that to get in the way of his ministry and whatever, but he said, if you, if you desire a wife, get married. And then he said, for it is better to marry than to burn. Now, that, what that means is that you're going to have this desire for a wife, you're going to have that burning desire for a woman, it's just best for you to go ahead and get married. Well, I didn't understand it. I didn't, I didn't understand it the way I understood it as uh, sex before marriage, you're going to hell. Well, is that wrong? I didn't understand it the way it actually, what it means in the Bible, but I saw, what I saw, even though it wasn't quite right as far as interpreting it, it still had a good effect. It still did something. Now, and I, as I get, and I'm not so sure that, hey, maybe, he, maybe there was two meanings to it right there. When he, why did he use the word burn? <laughs> so, the Word of God makes things happen. It will cause people to do what's right compared to what's wrong. And just having, just reading it uh, doesn't make you a Christian, but it could lead to that. It could very well lead to it. There's plenty of stories where you see where people will uh, take the Bible, whether it be a Muslim person over in the, in the Middle East, a uh, story about uh, they confiscated a bunch of Bibles, and they gave it to one of the leaders and said, you need to uh, point out all the things that are wrong in this thing, and he was glad to do so. Well, he started reading through the Bible, and he became a Christian. He was a Muslim higher up, that was in the business of eliminating Christianity out of his area, but he ended up becoming saved. Uh, Lee Strobel, he took the Bible, and he wanted to show, he wanted to go through it, he's just an amazing mind, and he wanted to show where it was all wrong, so he could convince his wife and other people that, why are you following this, and he became a Christian. So, the Word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. It can, it can get in there and do what it's supposed to do. We have to get it inside of us. So it's our, our job to read it. And I hope that y'all are reading it every day. Uh, I've been reading Proverbs uh, Today's the 14th, so I read Proverbs 14. So whatever day it is, that's so every morning. I'm read, Tomorrow I'll be up in the morning, and I'll be reading Proverbs 15, all the way through 31. And also been reading Psalms. I've been reading three Psalms a day. And when I get to day 50, I'll be all the way through it. I've been reading, I read all, uh, 1 Samuel. <clears throat> of course, when I prep for... Uh, Wednesday night, I've read through James. 
I've read through First and Second Peter recently, Jude. Remember, Jude? Just read it. I mean, a few minutes and you've got a whole book read. One chapter. Uh, but it's just, I think it's good to have a plan for what you're going to read. You know? And then you just might be led to read other things. But I'm all over the place in the Bible. All over the place. But I think it's important to have something set up to where you're going to read something It's already planned that you're going to do so. And then if you get led to somewhere else, great. All right, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. This second epistle, epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye, be, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of, of us apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. And what are these people, what are these scoffers going to do? Verse 4. The scoffers are going to say, And saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So we've been, since Jesus died on the cross, we've been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. He said he was leaving. Now, you got people who will argue over different things. I study like crazy. I understand where they're coming from. In the past, I, I just didn't understand why they could... And, and, and if, you, if you read... You will see, see something like uh, Jesus saying that there are some standing here now that will not die before they see the kingdom come in. So that means the kingdom came in right away. But then there was, uh, Jesus also said some things about this, this my kingdom is uh, going to be taken and it, you won't see it for a while and you start getting a little confused. Well, which is it? Well, the kingdom of Jesus being the king of was the kingdom of heaven, which was put on hold because they killed the king. So Pilate was asking him some questions, and, and Jesus said very, very little. We just talked about that. Was that Wednesday? Last week? I don't know. I can't even remember. But we were talking about how Jesus said so little. He, Pilate was asking him about his kingdom, 
And Jesus said, well, my kingdom isn't with sight. You know, if my kingdom was going to be set up right now, all of my followers would be fighting. They'd be going to war. And Pilate was like, he couldn't quite understand what was going on there. But see, there was that mystery, the church that was going to be set up. So the fact that Jesus' kingdom of heaven was going to be taken by violence and was going to be taken by force opened up the church age. This dispensation of grace that we're in right now, the church age. Now, if you are a truly born-again believer, you are in that kingdom. You can be sitting with somebody who's not in that kingdom, and y'all are both seem like you're in the same place, but one's in a kingdom that the other one's not in. We've been talking, people have been saying, he's coming back, he's coming back, and we've been waiting for 2,000 years, but to God, that's like two days. So we're, we're thinking 2,000 years, come on, when are you coming back? And God's up there going, it's only been two days. Why are you in such a hurry? It talks here about the world being covered with water. There's two different thoughts on this right here. Now, we all know about Noah's flood. Is he talking about Noah's flood here? Some people say yes. But it talks about how the earth perished. It was destroyed. Now, during the flood of Noah, the earth really didn't get destroyed. It just got covered up with water. But the plants even survived. Remember that? They, they, they sent the bird out, came back with nothing, sent the bird out, finally came back with, I think it was an olive leaf, uh, olive branch. So when the water started to go down, there was things that were still alive. The earth didn't perish. So which, what, is this, what could this other flood that it's talking about? You know, if you, if you listen to the creation series that I did at the very beginning of the year, I talked about how... Uh, the original earth went through a uh, period of chaos. The earth was created, then something very bad happened to it, and we open up our Bibles, it's darkness, it's void, it's totally covered in water. Something to think about. And, I, and I've, you know, just looking at commentaries, I've had two different approaches to this, this uh, reference right here. And some people say that this was the flood that happened back... We, we don't have any clue. We don't, only thing we have is things that you can study in geology. Uh, the fossils, prehistoric animals that are buried in the earth that was washed up by a great tsunami. Now, if you think I'm getting off and I'm a little weird, you know, I'm... There's, I, I don't believe in evolution at all. Evolution is just ridiculous. But I do believe that the earth is very, very old. I believe dinosaurs walked on the earth a long, long time ago, millions of years ago. I believe angels lived on this earth a long time ago. And something catastrophic happened. I don't know if it was because of Lucifer being thrown out of heaven along with a third of the angels and something really bad, it, it, it destroyed the earth. But I do know when we open up our Bibles, it shows the earth in a very bad state. God does not create anything bad. It was perfect when it was first created. 
something bad happened to it. So anybody who comes to me doubting, saying that uh, they, they're doubting the Bible because the Bible doesn't match up with all this, after they talk to me, it matches up perfectly. I can explain anything that you want to throw at me. Uh, the, uh, the Noah's flood, I think, you know, if you go back to Genesis 7, talks about how the uh, waters, the, the burst up out of the great, the deep waters came up out of the earth. Does, do you see that nowadays? Water spewing up out of the earth. What about Old Faithful? Very hot water. And it, 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 it comes, it, it sh- shoots up out of the ground and they know exactly to the second when it's going to do it again, right? So, in Genesis 7, talking about the flood and how it happened, I'm going to read it. Pay very close attention to the wording. Uh, Genesis 7, chapter 7, verse 7. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto, the, unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. The waters of the floods were upon the earth after seven days. Then in verse 11 it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So was water filling up during those seven days prior to the rain starting to fall. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, I was reading about how when those fountains burst up out of the ocean, you know, there's, a, there's a crack from the top of the Atlantic Ocean all the way down, and it, and it continues all around the earth. They've found, they've gone in and they've seen it, and they, they don't know how it got there, but there's a split in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There's a split in the Pacific Ocean very close to the coast of California. And was that from when this happened? And if the water, there's so much water inside of the earth, and it is, I think they said it was 750 degrees when it shoots up out of the earth. I don't know about Old Faithful, what the temperature is on that one, but these, these uh, fountains of water that comes up out of the ocean, they would, and they won't, it won't boil because of the pressure of the water. Very interesting. And they say that if that, all those waters were to shoot forth out of these fountains, that hot of water, when it went into the atmosphere, it would cause severe rain. The Bible says it hadn't even rained before Noah's flood, that the earth was watered by a mist. Can you imagine the faith that Noah would have to have to build that big of a boat? 
for 120 years? When, you know, if, if God would have taken him up into a valley and caused it to rain like crazy and the water started filling up in the valley and he climbed up a tree and then he said, okay, this is what's going to happen in the future, but it's going to be way worse. Go build a boat. He would have ran and built the boat. But he hadn't even seen rain. And he went and built that big boat. And there were scoffers back then. He'd been building this boat for how many years? I mean, building it. And they were so far away from any water. And they were picking on him and picking on him, just like people will pick, up, pick, pick on us today that we're waiting for this second coming. How long are you going to wait? This is all fairy tale. And, it, and it's going to be just like in the days of Noah. When he comes and shocks everybody, Verse 9, back in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you hear that? I've been mentioning lately some things. I'm not going to go into it, but... I want you to pay very close attention. Well, there's different denominations that believe different things, right? Now, he said that God, the Lord, is not slacking. He, does not, he is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. All. You know why it took so long for the flood to come in Noah's day? Because God was long-suffering. You know, Enoch was raptured out of here, but he had a son named Methuselah. And Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. Enoch uh, shared some very significant things back in his day, and, and nobody wanted to listen to him. He named his son Methuselah, which means when he dies, it will come. Methuselah gave birth to Lamech. If I, say, if I get this out of order, catch, catch me, stop me, tell me I'm, I'm wrong, and get it back in order, okay? So Enoch, the oldest man to ever live but died before his father did. That's Enoch, because Enoch never died, and Methuselah. So I got that right. And then he had Lamech. And then Lamech had Noah. Well, his wife did. The birthing person. Yeah, yeah, she had a baby. Uh, Lamech lived 777 years. Now, he died five years before the flood came. Methuselah, the day he died, the flood started. Six, what, 969, almost 1,000 years that God waited because he wanted to give everybody a chance, just like it says right here. Now, does everybody come to him? Oh, they don't. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
I would make a smart comment about that, but I probably shouldn't. Everything's going to burn up. The first time the earth was judged by a whole lot of water. Water coming up out of the earth, water coming down from up above. It covered everything. It says that it covered all of the mountains. Fifteen cubits above the tallest mountain. What's the tallest mountain in the world? Mount Everest? How tall is it? 29,028 feet. Don't leave out the 28 feet because that's the hardest one to climb, the last 28. Why do planes fly at 30,000 feet? <clears throat> Probably because Mount Everest is 29,000. But when you think about how big the earth is, in comparison, there's really not that much water. There's a lot of water, but that's just because we're th the way we think of it. But when you think of the vastness of the universe and how big the earth is, really not that, not that uh, hard for God to do. The second time when the earth comes un under judgment, it's going to be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, or the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless." and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. See, Peter is talking about, you know, listen to what I'm writing to you, and go look at the epistles of Paul, read them, try to understand them, and he's admitting there's some, there's some things hard to understand in what Paul wrote. But remember, Paul, when he was converted, he was, he was elect. He was definitely somebody that was picked whether he wanted to or not. He was, he was on his way to take care of this Christianity thing. He was utterly destroying it. And God struck him down and said, you're coming to work for me now. Maybe God said, this guy is very zealous in what he's doing. If I can get him turned to work for me, he's going to be awesome. And he did. So Paul went off on his own for a very long time and was instructed by Jesus himself on all these things. That's why his epistles are so amazing. Then he went to be with the other disciples. Things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. You rest you'll wrestle with it if you're unlearned and unstable. As they do, also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So if you don't know, if you're a scoffer, if you are uh, a person who doesn't believe, and if you don't get into the word of God, it could be to your own destruction. 
17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter is always, just like Paul, he's always telling us, don't get too wrapped up in figuring all these details out. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by all those things that I've studied and, and the fossils that are in the earth and those, those type things. But you know, God asked Job, where were you when I formed the foundation? It's just, you see how big the universe is? It'll blow your mind. And to think that an angel can come from heaven in the presence of God and come all the way here, and our sophisticated spaceships and how fast they are, and we go out into the space, and we're, I mean, to get to heaven is this far, and we are going only, this, and we think we're something. And God's up there just laughing. They think they're doing good. But an angel, an angel can get all the way to heaven pretty quick. Sometimes they get held up. You know, Daniel prayed, and he needed help. And 21 days later, the angel showed up. And the angel was very sorry. He said, sorry, Daniel, we heard your prayer from the start. But on my way here, I got in a battle with the prince of Persia in the heavenlies. And it was a tough battle. And I had to call in reinforcements. And the reinforcements came, and I got loose, and I was able to get to you. Sorry it took me so long. And then he told Daniel, I got to get back to the battle. See you. And off he went. Don't worry about all those things that you may not understand. And don't let all that stuff pull you away from the cross of Christ. Jesus came down here. God in the flesh came down here. Tempted in every way that we're tempted. Never failed. Was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And he went to a cross stood in the way where you should have went to that cross. He got in the way and he was nailed to the cross. All of our sins were placed on him. He died, told the thief that was hanging beside him that this day you'll be with me in paradise, which I think was Abraham's bosom. He went down into the heart of the earth. Like he said, he told his disciples, uh, just like Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights. Likewise, I will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So he went down there, went to Abraham's bosom. You can read that in uh, Luke 16. Went down there, and he took all those people that were waiting for the shed blood to be deposited in the true holy of holies. If you want to read about that, go to Hebrews 9, where it talks about Jesus going back up to Calvary, taking that blood that was shed, and you know, he, had told, he had told one of the women earlier that morning, don't touch me, I haven't yet ascended to my father. But yet later that same day, he was inviting them to come and be around him and touch the wounds in his hands. Well, what did he do? I think, go to Hebrews 9, I think he went up to Calvary, took that precious blood, took it to the true holy of holies in heaven. The father said, that is sufficient. Everyone's sins will be covered. It's up to us to believe on him or reject him. What are you going to do? Are you going to believe on him 
accept the sacrifice that he made? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word and your direction. By reading your word, it leads us to Jesus. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us will look to Jesus hanging on the cross in our place. But Father, he didn't stay there. Father, he went into the grave, but he didn't stay there. Father, you raised him up. You resurrected him in a glorified body. And Father, he went and is sitting beside you right now, interceding for us. And Father, we are so thankful for that. Father, I thank you for these people that are here today. I pray that you would bless each and every one of them. And Father, give us opportunity to go out into this hurting world and minister to those who need to know you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.